John chapter 1, verse, uh, verse number 36, it says, And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Behold the Lamb of God. Speaking of Jesus, as John saw Jesus walking down the road, he declared that Jesus was the Lamb of God. And the Lamb of God referring to one who was about to sacrifice his life. Sacrifice everything that he was to come uh, and give us salvation and redemption. To make us free. To make us free from the pain of death that comes through sin. Jesus was the Lamb of God on a mission. He came with a purpose to rescue and to save you and me. What a glorious Lord he is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The Bible declares to us, and you don't have to turn to it, but the Bible declares to us throughout the Word of God. But in Lamentations, the Bible says, God, your throne is forever. It goes from generation to generation. It endures forever. In the book of Daniel, chapter 4, it again talks about, Lord, your kingdom is eternal forever. It goes from generation to generation. Meaning God's word never fades away. God's word is the same as God is yesterday, today, and forever. How many of you believe the word of God speaks to every generation? To the generation when Jesus was in flesh and it spoke and it speaks to every generation thereafter. And it will continue to speak to every generation. If the Lord tarries, every generation that comes, God's word will go forth. And we've got to be like Daniel's, letting God's word pierce our hearts. And we need to say like Daniel, I purpose in my heart to serve God, to love God, to know him, and to walk with him no matter what. Daniel was a wonderful example in his generation, wasn't he? How he stood for the Lord. So was Shadrach, so was Meshach, so was Abednego, amen? They were young men who made a difference because they knew that the word came to them in their generation and they stood upon the word of God. They stood upon it. That was their rock. It was everything. And in every generation that comes and came afterwards, those that says the word of God is true, I believe it, I receive it, and I will make it mine. I will live it. How many of you in this generation believe the word of God? How many of you in this generation want to walk with Jesus and make a stand for Jesus, to be bold, to be courageous for the Lord? Amen? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it wasn't easy to make a stand for the Lord. It wasn't easy to live every day for the Lord. But they purposed in their heart, no matter what, whether it be a fire or furnace, no matter what it was, I am going to live for the Lord. If I perish, I perish, but I will live for the Lord. And this is what God is looking for. He's looking for young men. Men like me, old men. And everyone in between. He's looking for, for men, for women, who will take his word to heart and say, Yes, Lord, I will live for you because I believe in you. I receive what you've done for me. Amen. 
And so we see all that. And when you look at Psalm 136, we're not going to go there, but when you look at Psalm 136, it's, it's 26 verses there that, that, that continually talk uh, about God's mercy. The word, uh, the word there is kased, which means mercy or loving kindness. It means the love of the Lord. Every verse has the mercy, the loving kindness of the Lord that it endures forever. We can never doubt that God's love was for a time or for a season. God's love is eternal. God's love is everlasting for every one of us. That's why the Word of God tells us also in Lamentations, Behold, the mercies of the Lord are new upon us every Sunday, every Wednesday, every holiday. It says the mercies of the Lord endure forever. His compassions are new upon us every morning. Meaning the love of God is toward you, is upon you, is in you, is with you every breath that you breathe. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, saith the Lord. And so we understand that with every breath I breathe, God's love is covering me. It's with me. And I will praise him and I will thank him and I will walk with him. Hallelujah. And so when John said, behold, the Lamb of God, it was manifest. Jesus is the manifest love of God coming for you and for I. Amen. And when he walked on the earth, he taught and he made his disciples were hungry to hear what he had to say. There were those who did not want to hear Jesus. There was the religious leaders who did not want to hear Jesus. But those that did want to hear, their lives were changed. Those that received the word of God, their lives were transformed. They became new creations in Christ. How many of you here are new creations in Jesus? Because we heard the word of God, we repented of our sins, and we called upon the name of the Lord and said, Jesus, come into my life, change me and transform me. I said that one night and my life was changed forever. And here I am because Jesus saved me and changed my life. Otherwise, I would have perished a long, long time ago. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be alive today. That's for sure. But because of the grace and the mercy and the love of God who loved me and forgave me, even when I was an enemy for God, I was an enemy of God, but God's love endured. He was long-suffering and patient with me, and his love overcame all of my rebellion. His love overcame all of my sin. His love saved me and redeemed me. And that is why I will serve Jesus all the days of my life. I will live for him. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God that changed a wretch like me, that saved me and transformed me, that made me come to know joy and gladness. It gave me a hope. Hallelujah. Some of you have heard my testimony, and I'm not giving my testimony today. But when I was a young boy, my growing up, my mother and father were very uh, faithful in going to church. We were going to a Catholic church as growing up, and I was uh, an altar boy. And I was uh, serving in the, in the house of the Lord then as an altar boy. 
and a whole series of events came about. And uh, my mother came down when I was very young, six, seven years old. My mother came down with breast cancer. And the doctors failed to recognize it early enough where they could save her. And by the time they diagnosed it, it was too late. And she perished. She died. And I became so angry with God. I walked out of the church. I, walked, I turned my back on God. I didn't want to know anything about God, the church, or anything. But I remember the last words of my mother to me. Because she had gone into a coma for quite a while. And she would cry out in pain and grab my hand. But I remember her words before she slipped into that coma. She took me into the, uh, our little uh, family room. And she said, son, one day God is going to take me to go be with him. And I said, stop it. Don't talk like that. God is not taking you anywhere. And she says, oh, son, one day I will be with the Lord. Promise me that you will not get angry with God. Promise me that you will trust him. He's a loving God. He truly loves and cares for you. And I need you to be strong. And I want you to promise me to trust God and not get angry at God and love him. And I tried to resist all of that, but I said, yes, I promise you. See, the, the last words of my mom before she had gone into the coma and then perished, she knew for a surety in her heart. And I seen it in her. She knew that when she left this body, that body, she was going to be with the Lord. She knew it. There was no doubt in her mind. Do we have a doubt this morning that if we were to die today that we would be with Jesus? Are you sure? Do you know in your heart and in your spirit that if something happened today and you were to be with Jesus, do you believe that you would be with Jesus? Because that's, that's the heart of Christ, that we be with him for all of eternity. That's why he became the Lamb of God. And you see, that, that surety stood with me, that she had that surety that she was going to be with Jesus when she left her human body. I didn't want her to be with Jesus. I wanted her to be with me. And there was no rational explanation of why she needed to be with Jesus more than she needed to be with me. But how many of you know it's better to be with Jesus than to be here? Paul says, I'd rather be with the Lord. I don't know whether I, I want to be absent with the body or present, but how many, while we're in this body, we can encourage one another and we can bless one another. While we're in this body, we can share the wondrous love and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so while we live, we've got to be about Father's business. We've got to be encouraging one another, not tearing each other apart. We just can't be wrestling each other in the mud of this world. We've got to be encouraging one another, building each other up. I want to see you be the best you can be in Jesus. I want your giftings and your talents to come out and become excellent for the Lord and for one another. We need each other. We need to be iron, sharpening iron. We need to be encouraging each other as we see the day approaching. And that's what my mother did to me. I was young and she knew she had to impart that in words of encouragement, of hope. Hold, have faith in God. Trust in Him. Trust in His love. Don't, don't turn your back on Him. You know, the Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, it says that you're talking about when Christ comes again. How many of you believe He's coming again? Hallelujah. He is. 
And it says, when he comes again, we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, air. And so shall we ever, forever be with the Lord. Once we're with the Lord, that's it. There's, there's no more exits. Once you're with Jesus, you're with Jesus for all of eternity. There's no exits in heaven. How many of you know that? You don't get booted out of heaven once you're in. When you're in a movie theater, there's exits. When you're in a church, there's exit doors. You can leave anytime you want. But when we're in the presence of Jesus, we are, there's no exit doors. We're not even looking for an exit door. We're just rejoicing in the presence of God. That's why the Bible says, Lord, in your presence are pleasures forevermore. That's why we live for Jesus. We live for the day when we're going to be in the presence of God. Amen? That's what we're living for. That's our goal. It's to be with Jesus someday. Hebrews 11 verse 16 says, But now they desire a better country. Now, I believe the United States is a great country. I don't care what anyone says. I believe it's a great country, but there's a better country than the United States. And that's the city that God has for us. Because there's no, there's no sin. There's no corruption. There, there's, uh, there's no pain or suffering. That's the country that I want to belong to. That's the kingdom that I want to live in. And that's what it says in Hebrews. There, that, is a, that is heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he hath prepared for them a city. And they were looking for a city not built by hands, but a city built by God. How many of you are looking forward to your time in the city that is built by God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews says, I'm, it's a place where God is not ashamed to call you his children, his son or his daughter. God is not ashamed of you. God loves you. God is proud of you. God gave you giftings and talents. When he knit you together in the womb, the Bible says he formed you and fashioned you in the womb. And when he did, he made you the way you are. He gave you your personality. He gave you your giftings and your talents, whatever they are. We're all different. But we're all made by the hand of God. And God looks at you with delight and pleasure. He made you for a purpose and a plan on the face of this earth. And that's what we're here for. To bring out what God, how God has formed you and fashioned you. The giftings and the talents and the personality that, you're, that is in you. Bring it out for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Your personality, I don't care what it is, is good for me. Sometimes it might be like sand or sandpaper, but it's good for me. Your personality, we need each other's personality. Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 to 5. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away, in verse 4, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. 
And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. God says this world and everything in it is passing away. And God is making a new place for us. Jesus says, Behold, I go and prepare a place for you that where I am, there you be with me. I'm building you a mansion in heaven. There's a place where there's no more pain, no more tears. How many of you would love a place like that? Huh? I don't want to go somewhere where there's crying and weeping and wailing, huh? I want to go to a place called heaven that God promises to everyone. That Jesus says that where I am, you will be. And where I am, there is no more pain. There is no more suffering. There is no more hunger, no more thirst, no more death, no more dying. And it says these words are faithful and true. Do you believe the word of God? Do you believe it? That's what I live for. I live for that day. I'm living for that day when I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm not living... Uh, no, we live, we have breath today, and we live today to encourage one another. But I'm living for that day. Are you living for that day when you're going to walk through those gates, when you're going to look God in the eye, God's going to look you in the eye and say, Come, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in. Oh, and once you're in, you're in. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, if you never danced, you will dance when Jesus says, Enter in. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you're not going to walk in like, you know, you're going to be, you're going to, my goodness, I can't dance, but you will dance. <laughs> and I'll dance. I'll be dancing. Hallelujah. So that's what we live for. And, and the word of God says these words are faithful and true. Believe them. Believe the word of God. Believe the word of God. That's why we're here to encourage one another. Believe the word of God. Don't go by what men say. Believe what Jesus said. Believe what the word of God says. These words are faithful and true. They go from generation to generation. And if the Lord tarries the generation that comes up after you, the word is going to be the same to them. And so they were lasting words. And when we see that Jesus was going as the Lamb of God, going to the Calvary's cross, he was going to be crucified. You all know, and we're going to look at that on Good Friday. We're going to look more at, at the, what Jesus accomplished on Calvary for each and every one of us. But there's a, a man named Cicero. He was a Roman senator and a philosopher. And he says one of the cruelest and most hideous punishments a man could ever face was being crucified on a cross. He couldn't imagine anything any worse. But that's what Jesus did for us. He did the, the, most horrendous, the most horrendous death imaginable to man Jesus endured for you and me. The most horrendous. He couldn't think of anything worse. He couldn't think of any death worse than being crucified on a cross. And they were cruel. They, they were cruelties in those days. Men were torn by lions. All types, all, all types of manner of death was imposed upon man. But he, he observed mankind and he says the worst, the most horrific death a man could face was death on a cross. And this is where the Lamb of God went. And it is on the cross when Jesus gave his last words. Words that will last for all of eternity. They weren't in words just for a day and a time and a season. Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, spoke words that he wanted all of us to take heed to for all of our days of our lives. 
until we get to be with him. One of the first words Jesus says in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, when he was on the cross, nailed, bleeding, beaten, his life ebbing away, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Those Roman soldiers beat him, mocked him, spit upon him, pulled hair out of him, whipped him to a breath away from death, nailed him to the cross. And when he looked down, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. I don't know how I could forgive someone who did that to me. I don't know how we can forgive someone who who hurts us in life. We want vengeance. We want revenge. We want to get even. We want to see them get what they're, what's due. But what's due every one of us is separation from God for all of eternity. And when Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, he was calling on his heavenly Father to forgive even the soldiers that nailed, put the nails in his hip. He was saying, Father, forgive even those that whipped me. Forgive even those that mocked me. Forgive even those that spit in my face when I was manifesting my words of truth and love to them. Father, forgive them who ran away. My disciples who ran away, forgive them. And one of the words that Jesus spoke, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Now, Jesus taught his disciples to forgive. On the Beatitudes and all through the Word of God. It is, Jesus said, if you don't forgive, your Heavenly Father cannot forgive you. Forgiveness was a big part of what Jesus taught. But many people say, do what I say and not what I do. But Jesus did what he said. Jesus lived what he taught. Jesus lived the Word of God. He just didn't teach it. He just didn't speak it. He just didn't say, do it. He lived it, and he showed us how to do it. And on the cross, when he said, forgive, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. And so one of the greatest things that we must always remember and take to heart are the last words that Jesus spoke to us when he was given his life for you. Forgive. Forgive those who have hurt you. It's not easy. It's not easy. I know it's not easy. It wasn't easy for me to forgive a lot of things, the people that that did things in my life earlier. It wasn't easy. But by the grace of God and by the help of God, I was able to forgive. And I found personally that through forgiveness, I became set free. The burdens and the hurts and everything were lifted from me. I was set free. Whether they, for, whether they received it or not, I don't know. But I forgave. And that's what Jesus said. Father, forgive them. And so forgiveness sets you free. Forgiveness brings a peace in your life that we can't explain. Jesus says he's the prince of peace. And he brings a peace not as the world brings. He brings a peace that passeth all understanding. And so forgiveness is one of the words, the last words that Jesus left with us as he set the perfect example. He forgave those. How many of you were beaten and scourged and nailed to a cross? 
Nobody. You wouldn't be here if you were. Nothing crueler could be done to a man. And yet Jesus said, Father, forgive these who've imposed the most cruelest punishment a man could endure upon me. Forgive them. And if Jesus can forgive the men who did the most horrific things any man can face, how can we not forgive someone who hurt us with their words or with their actions or with their deeds? We need to forgive. And by the grace and the help of God, we are able to come into that place where we are able to forgive and we are then able to be set free. Hallelujah. Forgiveness, unforgiveness is not going to hold me captive anymore. Because unforgiveness, I found, started to create all kinds of stuff in me. Bitterness and all kinds of other stuff. And I didn't like it. I didn't want it in my life anymore. And when I forgave, that stuff exited my life. And I'm free. And I'm free. And it's not a one-time thing. It's a lifelong thing. Forgiveness is something we go through. Because if you live life, if you live life in the flesh, you will be hurt. You will be offended. You will, you will be... That's okay. That's okay. It's life. It's part of life. We can't, we can't escape it. We must face it. And learn how to overcome it. How do I overcome all these hurts? How do I overcome things that really hurt me? Forgive. Bible says in Luke chapter 23, verse 43, Jesus says to the thief on the cross, Truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Because the thief did what? He believed on Jesus. He said, Jesus, forgive me, remember me, right? And Jesus said, today you'll be with me. My mother knew she was going to be with Jesus the day, she left the day she left her body. She knew it. Do you know that you're going to be with Jesus today? If you left this body today, if you left this earth today, you'd know you'd be with Jesus. It's not about being perfect. It's not about being a perfect Christian. It, it doesn't matter if you're Christian enough to be with Jesus today. It's not by works. It's by grace, through faith in Christ Jesus. It's by the shed blood of the Lamb. If you believe the Lamb of God bore your sins on Calvary's cross, that you are forgiven. And when the Bible says you are forgiven, it means your sins have been washed away, never to be remembered. And the Bible says that the blood of Jesus covers you. I'm not saying we can willingly choose to sin. But the Bible says if you sin, repent, and God will cleanse you, forgive you. But you are a child of God. I used, grew up in fear. I grew up in teaching a catechism in Catholic school. And one of the nuns, and when I became born again, one of the nuns came and she says, what are you teaching these children? That they can believe in Jesus and go to heaven? I said, yeah, that's what I'm teaching them. And she says, how dare you? And she says, don't listen. She came and she, she said, told me to sit down. She told the class, don't listen to him anymore. If you miss church on Sunday and you get hit by a car, you're going straight to hell. And the kids were like, huh? And when she left, I said, don't believe that lie. I said, if you love Jesus, you will be with Jesus. God forbid you got hit by a car, you would be with Jesus. And that's the bottom line. It's not about... Anything else, but do you believe in Jesus, that he bore your sins upon Calvary's cross? And if you repented of your sins and said, Jesus, cleanse me by your blood, 
by your stripes I have been healed. You have a place in, with Jesus for all of eternity. We need to live for him because we love him. We need to live for him because the gospel is power to set people free from sin, from unforgiveness, from all manner of things. Jesus on the cross says, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple John, behold your mother. Jesus cares about you. And Jesus was saying, we've got to take care of each other. We need to have compassion for each other. And that's why he says, mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. John, after, the, after, the, after that, there's nothing said of him anymore until you find him on the Isle of Patmos. But he was a blessed man because he took care of Mary. He listened to the words of Jesus and said, I will care for my sister. That wasn't his mother, it was his sister in the Lord. God wants you to love your brother and your sister in the Lord with compassion and love and mercy. When we sit next to someone in church, I could put up with them for half an hour, 40, 45 minutes. It's not about putting up with each other. It's about loving each other. Yeah, we all have faults. We all have, we all have rough spots. You know? I might be your sand. Who knows? But we need to love each other. We need to look for the good in each other. If we, if we, if we, if we get out the magnifying glass, we can, find, we can find the faults and the rough spots in everyone's life. Everyone. Even me. But God doesn't want us to look at the the, the rough spots of people's life. He wants you to look at the good in people's life. He wants you to see the goodness that he put in them. He wants you to see the personalities and the giftings and the talents that God can use for his glory. And he says, have compassion on one another. And the Bible says, Jesus said what? This is how they'll know that you are my disciples. Because you got great head knowledge. Because you could speak well. Because you're a good teacher or preacher. Because you're a good musician. This is how they'll know you are my disciples. Because you're a great cook. Because you're a great greeter. Because you attend church every Sunday. This is how they'll know you are my disciples. That you love one another. On our own, we can't do that. I'm telling you, on our own, in the flesh, we can't do that. It's not possible. But with God... All things are possible. With God's love in us, with, with that love of God in us, we are then able to love one another with the love of God. And so Jesus on the cross, he wouldn't say it if we couldn't do it. He wouldn't declare it if it was impossible for us. And so he says, have compassion on one another. And Christ cried out to the Lord. He says, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus, he, there was that moment of separation when he bore the sins of the world upon his shoulder. 
But he gone through that so that no matter what you go through, the Bible declares to you, Jesus faced it all. And so that whatever you go through, God will never leave you and God will never forsake you. Jesus did it all for us. He bore our sin because the only thing that separates us from God is sin. And Jesus has dealt with the separation part, the separation ingredient of sin. And Jesus has washed it in his blood. And he says, no longer will I ever leave you nor forsake you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus will never leave you? He will never forsake you. The Bible says, if your mother and your father forsake you, yet I will not forsake you. I know a lot of people who've been forsaken by their parents, called all kinds of things, abused, beaten, left up for putting trash cans. Talk about forgiveness. Talk about where's the love when you're put in a wastebasket and left to die. Yet Jesus said, if your mother and father forsake you, I will never forsake you. I will love you forever. I will walk with you. I'll be the glory and the lifter of your head. I'll give you beauty for ashes. I'll make a new creation out of you. This is the wonderful news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus says, Father, into your hands, I surrender my spirit. And that's what we all need to do. Surrender our lives into the hands of God and say, Father, my life belongs to you. You're my father. You're the lover of my soul. You're my healer, my provider, my counselor. You're my everything. And so we need to commit ourselves into Father's care, into Father's heart. If you know that he's your shepherd, he's your father, he's your God, he will provide for you, he will care for you, he will need you. And this is what Jesus is doing, setting an example. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And if we commit our lives and our spirit into the hands of a loving father, we're in a good, good place. And Jesus finally says, it is finished. There's nothing you and I need to do but believe. Nothing to do but believe. Out of that belief comes love. And love is what motivates us to service. Love is what motivates us to do for the Lord. Faith without works is dead. But it's not works for works sake. It's work for love's sake. It's because I have faith that I love him. It is because I have that love that I want to do for the Lord. It's because I have love, I want to do what I can. I want to be an usher in the house of the Lord. I want to be a musician. I want to be a singer. I want to be what I can be because I love the Lord. I have faith in him who saved me and I love him. And I want to do what I can for the kingdom and the glory of God. I want to do what I can for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to do what I can to lift up his glorious name and to magnify him. I want to do what I can to show that the love of God is real in my life and that the love of God can be overflowing into your life also. And so the words of Christ on the cross are words that go from generation to generation to generation. They just weren't words for way back then. They were words that continue, that endure forever. And Jesus says it is finished. You're able to forgive. You're able to have compassion. You're able to love and serve God because my life is in you. 
I've given you of myself. I've given my Holy Spirit. Why did Jesus pour his Holy Spirit into our life? Because it's the Holy Spirit that comes into our lives when we call on the name of Jesus that is the power of God that enables us to forgive, enables us to have compassion, enables us to live and walk for God, gives us the strength to face every temptation, gives us the strength we need to say no to the things of this world that will entice us and tempt us. And you will be tempted, you will be enticed. That's okay. God says with every temptation, I've given you and will make for you a way of escape. There's an exit door for every temptation and every sin. And God will show you the exit door every time so that we can live for Jesus. I'm telling you, living for God is joy and gladness. It's not, it's not about <laughs> getting a sad face and crawling on your hands and knees. It's about getting up and praising God and thanking Him for all that He's done. It's finished. It's finished. He saved me. He redeemed me. Everything I need has been done for me. All I need to do is say, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I receive it. I believe it, Lord. I want to live for you like Daniel. I want to live for you like all the disciples that no matter once they, once they, once they got the Spirit of God in them, it didn't, life didn't really, it didn't matter anymore. Paul says, I'm content. Whether I'm rich or poor, I'm content in knowing that God loves me. He's got a place for me in heaven. And while I live, I want to bless my brothers and sisters. I want to be an encouragement to you. I want, because I, God is the glory and the lifter of our head. And I want to spread the good news that God loves you. That God cares about your life. He'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. God wants you to be blessed and prosper in all things spiritual and God will provide for your every need. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. And we got giftings and talents. Everyone here has a gifting and a talent. All different, but you have a gifting and a talent. Brother, you got a gifting and a talent. God is going to bring excellence out of that for the glory of God. We're all different, but use what God has made you to be. Don't try to be someone else. Be you. Be who you are. Look inside yourself and say, who am I? What are the gifts that God give me? Because you do have them. You do have them. They're there. Believe me, they're there. And it's just finding them. And that's what we're here to do, to help you find and discover your gifting and talent that you may use it for the glory of God. And I'm telling you, when you start doing that, your life will be transformed. There will be more joy and peace and happiness in your life than you ever imagined. I don't care what kind of job you get. Now, you can go to school, and I encourage people to learn. I encourage you to go to school. I encourage you to learn. I take classes, whatever you can do to learn. But satisfaction, true satisfaction, doesn't come through accomplishing something in the work, workforce of life. We need to be in the workforce of life. We need to accomplish things. We're, it's necessary. It's needed. But the greatest joy, the greatest accomplishment is knowing that you want to serve God and do something for Him through your natural giftings and talents. You will find complete and total fulfillment and satisfaction in your life. Nothing can match or compare to that. And that's why when Jesus said it is finished, believe His words. Take His words to heart and let His words transform our lives even today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Stand with me this